finished the uh, study in Galatians. Right now we're uh, kind of in between a series. And as I was praying about it today, uh, honestly, the Lord impressed upon my heart something that is going to help me. I hope it helps you. Uh, I did a series on order in the court about six years ago. And uh, I was just reviewing some old messages, and that was exactly what I needed. I don't know about you, I don't know if your life feels a little out of order right now, but I I know that an illness can uh, slow things down and get you out of order. I know a crisis or a tragedy can, uh, something something unexpected uh, causes you to forego responsibilities because you have to take care of another need, and as a result, you get behind and maybe you get that feeling of disorder. And it can cause some issues emotionally. Order gives us harmony, gives us peace. Disorder gives us grief and uh, certainly affects our emotions. So let me ask you this. You don't have to raise your hand if you want to. That's fine. You can say amen, nod your head. Are there any here that would say you could use some fine-tuning in order, with order in your life. Got a few of you? Okay. All right. Well, then this is going to be for you. The rest of you, just enjoy yourself. Take a nap. Uh, I would say this. It's very important to understand that when the Lord Jesus Christ saved us, one, that took place because you allowed him to be your Savior. When he saved us, it was not just to give us a get-out-of-hell-free card. But God has a plan for our lives, and it is to glorify Him. And as a believer, we glorify God when our lives are in order, when they are in order. And one of the things the Lord does for us is He helps bring that order into our lives through His Word, through fellowship, teachings, through the work of the Spirit working in us, and the Word of God as we hear it, in making application in our lives. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's, if you're able to stand, let's look at two verses. I still don't have this turned on yet, so give me a second. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Verse 33 and verse 44. Verse 33, I'm sorry, verse 40. There is no 44. Okay. Verse 33, for God is not the author of, and in order. Now there are a few passages in the Old Testament about men who knew they were getting ready to die And the Bible says they went and set their house in order. In order. So even they knew that some things need to be prepared before they died. uh, Not just for those that they would leave behind, but maybe even in their own hearts as they were going to meet God. This may be a mini-series. I've got about eight sermons, but a couple of them are strictly marital sermons. And I want to deal with... Primarily, 
everybody in this crowd a little more in a general sense. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We are thankful for the scriptures. We're thankful for this Bible truth. And Lord, we're going to take these passages that we read out of 1 Corinthians and teach this topic, this subject, order or confusion, you decide. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us now. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The title, Order or Confusion, You Decide. Order or Confusion, You Decide. So let me just emphasize the text or the context of the passage we read. Paul is dealing with the church of Corinth, and the church of Corinth had gotten a little out of order they started having the type of service where somebody would pop up over here and have a word from the Lord, and somebody would pop up over here and have a word from the Lord. Somebody would pop up over here and have a word from the Lord. But not only did they just pop up, but they spoke in an unusual tongue that not everybody could decipher. Maybe you've heard of that. They, and they'd pop up and they'd say something that nobody understood the language and people do this, and they, they weren't doing it orderly. So Paul, in chapter 14, primarily deals with this issue of tongues, but the sub-teaching, or the teaching that underlines that is, the church needs to be orderly. Confusion is not of God. By the way, that's why we have a protocol in our service. That's why we don't let just people, anybody jump up here and there. We try to have things orderly. I think people appreciate that. You like going to work at a place that is orderly. And I trust you like coming home, having a home that is orderly. And so let me, uh, <clears throat> let me do some reading here because I've got a lot of information here. I'm, I'm giving you a two for one, two sermons for one attendance. God is a God of order. He aligned the planets in order. He, is just, he has just enough gravity to keep us from being whipped off this earth that is rotating at approximately 1,040 miles an hour. You didn't know we were moving that fast, did you? Your faces don't have the G-force look, you see? <clears throat> um, and so... Only a God of order can do this. The sun always rises in the east, sets in the in the west. Now, God's plan for the church service is that it is conducted orderly. As I mentioned, the text is in reference to a church that is allowing ser the services to get out of control. And so they got to call it back because the devil works in the arena of confusion. The devil works in the dark and he works in the arena of confusion. By the way, just a side comment, this is free, didn't even have it in the notes, <clears throat> but you want to square up a relationship problem, you must communicate, and you must communicate clearly and honestly. If you don't bring it to the light, the devil can take advantage of it in the dark. Hello. Whether it's husband and wife, whether it's a church member and a church member, whether it's a friend and a co-worker... There must be some type of communication because if you don't, the devil can put stuff in your mind, their mind, and maybe in the minds of other people and you start listening to stuff. Then, hey, you don't really know the truth until you talk to the individual where there's a struggle. And hopefully they'll talk to you. 
But you keep it in the open that way God, because the devil likes to hide in the dark. All right. When the church is orderly, then God will work in the midst of the church. Look at, uh, you're in 1 Corinthians 14, I believe, still. Look at verse 24. <clears throat> but if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or, un, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. Oh, I needed to, actually, I need to read verse 23 with this. So let me start over. Verse 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are, what's your Bible say? Yeah. So if we had pop-up services where anybody could get up and say what they felt the Lord was leading them to say, and they did it out of turn, and some people started speaking at the same time, uh, normal people would say, uh, something's gone, this, this ain't right. Hello? Now, I've, I've never been to one of those services. I have witnessed it on TV. But we don't want that type of service, okay? And Paul has got to deal with that. Now we read verse 24. But if all prophesy, that is, speaking the truth of the gospel, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So in that reference, he's saying this. A new person comes in, and they talk to an individual at the door, and that individual at the door makes them feel welcome and, and uh, maybe testifies about the Lord Jesus Christ and what Christ has done in, in their life. They help him find a seat. He sits down next to somebody, and that person that he's sitting down to uh, begins to share the gospel as well and talks about what Christ did in his life as well in the same language. And most likely the church service hasn't started. But he begins to hear this same testimony amongst all the people. And that is the testimony that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And he also, oh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. They have loved one for another. He sees this great love and grace amongst the people of God. And he also hears the truth. Oh, by the end of the service, he falls down. He says, I know God's here. God's in this place. And that's what he's saying here. In contrast to confusion where people jump up, say something, and you don't even understand what they're saying. Okay, we've already talked about that. We can move on now. <coughs> Why does a judge smack the gavel on his desk and say, order in the court? He'd only do that if there was disorder. Because the court has gotten out of order. And I'll tell you, I'll testify from experience, I believe there's been times in my life where the judge of all the universe has come down and on my own heart and said, there needs to be some order in the court there, bud. You're getting out of order. Now, I know it's probably never happened to you. I mean, you people of God, I'm just grateful to be with you, but I'm telling you, this has happened to me. And I tell you, it's a good thing because sometimes we can get out of order and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. You see, the question is this, is your life out of control? Maybe you don't know that it is, but God is smacking the gavel in your presence to let you know it is, and He is in charge. He, his desire is to bring order in your life. If there is not, listen to this, you'll like this. I wrote this, is, this, as far as I know, this is original. If there is not order in your Christian life, there's odor. Yeah, I, I, that's original as far as I know. 
If there is not order in your Christian life, then there is odor. Yeah. <clears throat> Some laundry needs to be clean. It needed to be cleaned three months ago. <clears throat> Story of a man's car that had broken down on the side of the road. And he was in despair. A stranger stops, says, can I help? And the guy says, well, I don't know. And he says, I just got this vehicle and... I'm not really aware of how it operates. And the man says, well, let me take a look. He opened the hood, cranked a, a few gears there, checked a few wires here, and said, uh, try to start it up there. Boom, 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 started right up. The guy said, wow, thank you. He said, no problem. My name's Henry Ford. I make these cars. <laughs> and when you and I give the God of all the universe, the God who created us, when we give our lives to Him, don't you think He can get our lives in order? I mean, you might be stranded on the side of the road spiritually right now, and God says, well, if you'll let me, I'll open the hood. If you'll let me, I'll get things started again. But listen, don't say you're letting Him if you're not letting this book lead you and guide you, you see. So, <clears throat> there's page one. i got a couple more pages here. So how do we get our lives in order? How do we do this? What are some things we can do? <clears throat> well, let me say this. Number one, we, we need to know as Christians, I'm speaking primarily to Christians. If you're not a Christian, it starts with Jesus. If you don't know you're going to heaven, it starts there. You got to prepare to meet thy God. Listen, it, it doesn't matter if your finances are in order and your, your health is in order and your, and your marriage is in order. Those are great things. That's wonderful things. That's what we want to get everybody. But the reality is if you're lost and on your way to hell, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Are you with me? So it all starts there. And then after that, if you will fix your eyes on Jesus, if you will look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, uh, you'll find your life getting aligned the way it needs to if you'll walk with Him. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Oh, that's a beautiful thing because God has given His children discernment to know right from wrong. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. It's a great illustration. When we were meeting in the gymnasium over at the Lebanon Sports and Fitness Center, I mean, we had to set up tarps. We had to set up chairs. We had to set up uh, the sound system. Boy, we, we, we set up uh, choir chair. We just had so many things to lay out. And often, often, by the time we set things up, I mean, the chairs were all crooked and, and nothing was lining up. Don Greeno made us a cross that uh, we could put on a little uh, a stand, uh, uh, and we could put it right behind the podium. And what we decided to do was, let's do this. Let's put the cross up first. This is exactly, this is what we did, isn't it, Brother Aaron? We put the cross up first on one side of the gym, one side of the bleachers, and at the back side of the bleachers, we put the sound system, and then we began to line the chairs up accordingly. And then everything was symmetrical. We look back, yeah. Well, the answer was we let the cross help dictate the uniformity of it all. Well, I didn't know it was going to be a great sermon illustration, but it worked for us then. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. The Lord Jesus, when you and I look to the cross, He'll help align our lives. <clears throat> now, so that's you got to do that. But now, those of you that are saved, you're here, you're on a Wednesday night, you are... <coughs> the above-average Christian. 
And yet we can still, our lives can still get out of order, can't they? Man, they can. They can get out of order quickly. I mean, little things happen. I, I, mean, I, I mean, you can get sick and it can knock you out for two or three weeks. And it's like, man, I fall behind. I feel like I'm in survival mode. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just treading water. I don't know if you feel, anybody feels like that right now. But, I mean, we can go through these seasons. Or you have crises, you're a caregiver, and you've got to take care of a family member, and you, that wasn't in your schedule, but you've got to do that. And all of a sudden, wow, I'm just treading water. And so you, things aren't the way you really want them to be. And you think, well, what do I do? Well, let me say this. Number one, number one, I, and by the way, if you want the notes, I'll give you the notes. I was almost ready to do a handout tonight, but <clears throat> I want it to be a surprise. And then I'll give it to you. Number one, you must know what order looks like if you're going to develop it. What does order look like in the Christian life? I remember when I got saved, or when I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember, <coughs> I didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, but I knew this. There were Christians in, our, in Liberty Baptist Church up in Grand, Michigan, which was like a suburb of Traverse City, Traverse City, Michigan, and I was attending that church, man, a great big, it was like a mega church. We run about 100 people. <clears throat> and I remember, I remember attending that church. That was a mega church for up north, see. And I remember attending that church, and my heart was fully surrendered. And it was not difficult for me after a while to find out who was a real Christian in the house. And so when I surrendered my life, I began to hang out with them, and I kind of patterned myself after them. Now, you might think this is foolish, and I wouldn't, I'm not trying, I wouldn't say anything, but <clears throat> I found out, uh, you know, Sunday mornings, old Dan Grumman, he always dresses up. He's clean cut, almost looks military. And he's got such a great attitude, and he's always looking to help people find a seat rather than find one himself. And I began to watch him and the way he uh, he worked with people and all of that, and even the way he dressed, and I thought, well, that's how I'm, he's going to be my pattern. And so, you know, we, we are visual people. And so to have an idea of what order looks like helps us. Hello? It does help us. You've got family members, there are people in the church, I feel like you are very orderly. Now, <clears throat> let me give you some more statements along these lines. Order, order should be understandable, or it's not order. One plus one is two. Right? Two plus two is four. And it will always be four. Just like little babies that are born biological boys will always be boys. And little babies that are born biologically girls will always be girls. That is order. When they try to change that, that's confusion. God's not the author of confusion. You all with me there? We know who's behind all this nonsense. Boys, biological boys go to the boys' bathroom. I don't care what they call themselves. Biological girls go to the girls' bathroom. This is reasonable to sane people. It's orderly. 
It's not confusing. But there's a world out there that is very confused. Hello? And nobody's going to be able to show them the light or the example of order if the Christian won't do it, if the child of God won't do it. And there are many other areas. But order should be understandable. And by the way, order, order is productive. It's productive. When things are in order, things are more productive. Craig, your machines have to be working for you to be able to sow the field, till up the field, and and that. And when you do it orderly, rather than just run (coughs) the combine here and there, you get more out of the harvest, I'm guessing. There's an orderly way to harvest, to plant a field and harvest a field. And if it's done orderly, you are more productive. I, I know that's the only example that came to my brain right there. But that is the truth in life. Okay, you're a plumber, uh, Brother Don. <clears throat> There's an orderly way of putting the pipes together. If you don't do it in the proper order, it is not productive. And you go back, and you've got to do the job over. See? Hopefully you understand that when something's orderly, it's understandable and it's productive, but it's also stabilizing. You know, a family that is orderly is a stable, more stable family than a family that's disorderly. A Christian that is orderly is more stable than a Christian who is disorderly. And wait, hold the coffee, let me say this. It is possible to be in the same house with maybe one Christian who is not orderly. And you can still be orderly. Hello? So don't blame it on somebody else. Don't play the blame game. Adam, what'd you do? Well, the woman thou gavest me. Eve, what'd you do? Well, the serpent, he beguiled me. That blame game's been going on long enough. Nobody's going to get their life in order as long as they're blaming their disorder on everybody else. <clears throat> now, order, by the way, I, it should be understandable, it should be productive, it should be stabilizing. These are all positives. And these are all reasons why we should want our lives to get in order, whether it's in finances, relationships, whether it's in physical fitness, house cleaning, it will have a peaceful effect on your, emo- on your emotions. Hello. When your life is in order, it will have a peace. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That won't rule in your heart when things are all out of order. Let the maker open the hood and do some work. Hello? Now, Order is having things in their proper place. Do I have a witness? Can we agree with that? Order is having... I remember the first time and the last time I ever took out an engine from a car. You caught that. First and last time. I had a Grand Torino. And I'm trying to think if it's like a Grand Torino. Brandon, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, a 351 Cleveland. Was that Ford? That's Ford, isn't it? That's what it was, because <clears throat> uh, the other one was a Windsor. I don't know, you remember those? My first three cars were Torinos. <clears throat> so anyways, 
My dad had a big pole barn, and uh, he said, Merv, you can have that Trino, but the engine's bad. This Trino over here, the engine's good, but the body's all messed up. He said, it'll fit. He said, but I'm not doing it. I said, oh. So, I was about 17, and I knew it all. So I took my dad's tools, and I started unscrewing bolts and setting them here and setting them there. And I took the manifold off, and I mean, I started taking, I started, you didn't know I knew those things, did you? So I, I, I'm taking all these pieces off here and there, and I took it out of the, the good Torino, and I thought, man, that's great. And then I had a problem. I had no idea where things were, went after that. I had stuff sitting here, I had stuff sitting there. As far as I know, that, they, neither one of them ever ran again. I don't know what my dad did with him. I ended up hitch hitchhiking out of Dodge before I, that thing got repaired. <coughs> but you know what the problem I didn't do anything in order. I just took off whatever's easiest. Pull these bolts off here, un unscrew these nuts and all that. Yeah, didn't help. So orders having things in their proper place. When you spend, listen to this now. Oh, here's where the rubber meets the road, like old J. Vernon McGee used to say. This is a topical message, so we've already used scripture, and it's validated. But listen, <clears throat> when you spend more time and money on play than you do on work, then you may be out of order, unless you're retired. <laughs> when the kids rule the house, then your home is out of order. Isn't that true, children? <laughs> they didn't say amen. All right. Oh, oh, this is going to be a tough one. But it's, I got to be biblical. I got to be biblical. When the wife rules the husband, then your marriage is out of order. I want to hear you fellas say amen. Come on now. <laughs> When your spending is greater than your earning, then you're out of order. This is along those lines. When debt gets bigger than your earning, or when debt gets bigger and earning gets smaller, then you're out of order. When recreation gets more time than household repairs, honey-do list. Oh, dear wife, don't say too many amens out loud in front of me. When recreation gets more time than household repairs, then you might be out of order. When church attendance is determined by convenience rather than conviction, you're out of order. I know you want me to do this on Sunday morning. I'll do it again Sunday morning. When God gets the leftovers of your life, then we're out of order. Hello? So we need to know what order looks like if we're going to develop it. Number two, when your relationships are in order, then everyone benefits. And I want to emphasize the relationships. When the relationships are in order, then everyone benefits. I used to tell my wife, I still tell her, <coughs> but I said, honey, 
as long as I know my heart's right with the Lord and I can come home and we're good, I, I feel like I can handle anything at the church. It doesn't matter. I said, man, the whole church could go crazy. They could kick me out as long as I'm all right with the Lord and my wife and I are all right. Are you hearing me? Because there's stability there. Now, <clears throat> let me say it again. When your relationships are in order, then everyone benefits. What do I mean by that? Well, let's, let's go first. Our relationship with God, that's obviously going to benefit us primarily. But when a relationship is right with, God, right with God, it has to be right with the person next to us, especially our spouse. And if our relationship is right with them, it's not only going to benefit us, but it benefits them, does it not? Do you think your, your wife is benefited when husbands love your wives as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it? Hey, you think your wife benefits when you love her enough to where you'd sacrificially give to her so that she can enjoy life too? Hello? Absolutely. Let alone your children. Your children benefit by your relationships being right, being in order. So let me go through the, a little list here. <clears throat> when keeping your heart close to God is priority, then it will not be hard to keep your heart close to the rest of the family. When you put any other relationship before God, you're out of order. Let me say it again. Any other relationship. Even your marriage. What? What? Yeah, I got to say it. You put your marriage before God. You're out of order. Huh? What you talking about? Now, let me tell you something. Who designed marriage? God. You reckon he knows more about marriage than you and I? That's right. You reckon if you leave God out and you think you can handle it on your own, it's going to help you? I know. I know a couple. I know a lady. I know a lady in particular at, at the old church we attended. She was faithful to church, but her husband became unfaithful to her. And so she decided, she decided to be the kind of woman he wanted. What kind of woman was that? An unchurched, beer-hopping woman. Or beer-hopping, bar-hopping woman. And chaos. That did not help their marriage. Didn't help their children. Not one of them in the church that I know of. I mean, maybe years have passed. And I believe she was truly saved. I don't even know if they're still married. I don't even know if they're still alive. But I watched it disintegrate. I'm just telling you, if you want to help your mate, stay right with God. You protect that relationship. Why? Because that's stable ground. That's stable. You, hey, if your spouse is on sinking sand, you're not going to help her or him by jumping in with him and abandoning God. Are you hearing me? Stay faithful to the Lord. Because the reality is this, sometimes your spouse won't come back. And if you stay faithful to the Lord, he'll stabilize your life, even though your spouse chooses to sink. Are you hearing me? <clears throat> when you put any other relationship before God, you are out of order. Why? Because if you do that, they become an idol. Did you hear me? 
Because is not the real definition of an idol something that you place before God that, that has rule over you more than God does? Is that not the real definition of an idol? Hello? Absolutely. And you know, people can be that way in our own lives. We love them. Wait a minute. Make sure we're walking with the Lord in the light of His Word. Now, you know, because if you do that, you, re you realize if you make a person your idol, you're leaning on somebody as weak as you. I'm not trying. This will help marriages. This will help families. This ain't going to hurt you. Don't be scared. This is the truth. You walk with God. Stay. I, hey, we, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But when we all get to heaven, I'll guarantee you the Lord's going to. He, he, I, I believe. I know. I, would, I can be dogmatic. God is concerned about your walk with him above all things. Because that's how we help everybody else. And even when other, everybody else doesn't want to follow our God, even those that have made commitments to us in marriage, it doesn't give us an excuse to bail out on God to so-called keep the marriage. Hello? Well, that didn't sound popular, but I'm just trying to be biblical. <coughs> when you put your children before your marriage, you will hurt your children and may lose your marriage. What do you mean? What, 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 what? All right. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I knew a couple after they had a child. Man, they loved that child. Their lives were devoted to that child. They got so wrapped in that up in that, that child that they forgot to invest in each other. When the child finally uh, got married and left the nest, they divorced because they were complete strangers. The one thing that kept them together was the child. Now, children, you wouldn't want that, would you? No way. And this particular individual didn't want that either. But the parents lost track of the priority relationships. I'm telling you that, you know what your kids need, parents? Your kids need to see a mom and dad that love each other. They need to see a mom and dad who are faithful to God. They need to see a mom and dad who are in agreement when it comes to correction, when it comes to uh, uh, direction, when it comes to curfew, when it comes to privileges. They need to see a mom and dad who are in agreement. Hey, listen. We were all kids. We know how to work the system. If dad won't let us, maybe mom will. If mom won't let us, maybe dad will. I, listen, I was a kid. I know. And especially if your parents are divorced, you can really work the system then. If they're divorced, well, you know, I want to stay with dad because mom doesn't let me do anything. Well, I want to stay with mom because dad doesn't let me do anything. And so what happens? Sometimes in that situation, the parents let them do everything they want and they spoil the little brats and the kids <coughs> grow up thinking the world's all about them. <coughs> wow, there's a lot more in this message than what I thought. Let's move on. I got a few minutes. When you put affluence, affluence, you know what that is? Affluence above relationships with the family, you testify that money is your God. And money can buy a bed, but not a good night's sleep. 
It can buy a house, but not a home. I'm not against people being wealthy. I wish everybody in the house was wealthy. I, 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 wish, I pray that you'd all just prosper in a wonderful way as your soul prospers. See? But if that is our pursuit, the Bible says that's a snare that brings us to a snare. Uh, that's kind of, we're going to touch on that in Sunday school. Come to Sunday school. We're going to be touching on that in Sunday school. Uh, <clears throat> when you are more concerned about your child's reputation than their character, you have your parenting out of order. Did you all hear that? Hey, mom, dad, listen, we all want our children to be accepted and to feel welcome. Nobody wants our kids to feel isolated. Nobody does. Nobody does. But listen, I don't want to sacrifice their character. I don't want to sacrifice the things that are absolutely vital and make them think, you know, your image is really the most important thing about you. So let's get you these nice clothes. Let's get you that nice purse. Let's get you the makeup. Let's get that. I'm not against those things. Not at all. Especially if you learn to do your homework, if you can respect your elders, if you can be responsible, if you keep cleaned up, and uh, especially if you have integrity, you've, proved, you've got initiative, and you're developing yourself, you're being developed in these areas, learning how to work, learning how to be on time, learning to show respect to authority, learning to restrain your tongue. Hey, that's character. Talk to me, everybody. Those are the things that are going to get you the best jobs not the kind of purse you walk around with or the hair do you have or the kind of clothes you wear. Back when I was in school, I remember Kelvin Klein and Jordash. I never liked them at all. Yuck. Yuck. But that was the affluent jeans. Do they still have them around? Anybody know? Kelvin Klein. See, they went the way of all the earth. I don't even like Levi's anymore. I'll tell you, I like Wrangler because they're one tough customer. <coughs> Plus, you can get them cheap at Menards. Okay, I move on here. Finally, number three, got just a few minutes left. I said in the sense of order, you must know what order looks like if you're going to develop it. When your relationships are in order, then everyone benefits. Number three, you must remember that order is difficult work that makes life easy. Order is difficult work that makes life easy. But on the contrary, disorder is the result of easiness that makes life difficult. Disorder often comes because we choose the easy way and all of a sudden we get behind. So, let me give you a few Comments here. <clears throat> God's plan is work that works. The instructions to Noah's ark took great faith, but he built a ship that would not sink. Hello? It took great faith and work, but the ship did not sink. It's work to make a budget and stick with it, but it's worth it. 
I like what old Dave Ramsey says. He says, every dollar ought to have a name. I like the ones that say, Merv McNair fund money. I like them dollars. Yeah, I like that. But you don't get those till you have, oh, that's the utilities. Oh, that's the mortgage. Oh, well, oh, oh, first of all, oh, that's tithe and offering. Hello? And then after we get down that bottom of that list, fun money. Oh, yeah. All right. So anyways, <coughs> but it's work. It's work. Sometimes you can't do it right away. But listen, everybody ought to have a budget. It doesn't matter if I don't get a single amen. I know I'm telling the truth. It's work to schedule time for the important people in your life. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Obviously, your spouse. You better take time. Your children. Your children need your time. But you know what? Even friendships, cultivating friendships, all that's important. We need friendships. Fellowship. Sometimes it's work. It is work. Sometimes what we want to do and what we're supposed to do aren't going the same direction. How many of you discovered that? I want to do this. She wants to do that. I've been doing a lot of what I want to do. She hasn't been doing a whole lot of what she wants to do. Boy, I better nip this baby in the bud. (laughs) So it's work to schedule time for the important people in your life, but it is worth it. And then it takes work to walk with God. But the benefits always outweigh the work. It takes work sometimes. You get up and you read your Bible. You take time and pray. Daniel did it three times a day. David did it three times a day. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. To be deliberate in your Christian life. To be orderly. It's work. And by the way, by the way, <clears throat> it's presumptuous for you and I to think God will do for us what he has given us the ability to do for ourselves. That's presumptuous. Well, Lord, I just know I, I need some help financially. And the Lord says, well, I've sent you this job and that job, and you had this opportunity and that opportunity. But, Lord, you know, I just, that just wasn't my cup of tea. You know, I, I'm worth more than that. It's kind of like, it's kind of, you know the story. It's kind of like that, that fella, big flood came to town. You know the story. He prays, uh, Lord, you got to deliver me. Got to deliver me. And a guy comes through on the four-wheel truck while the water's coming. He says, man, you got to get in here. The, the river's overflowed, and it's coming in fast. He says, I believe the Lord's going to deliver me. You know the story. If you don't know the story, I'm going to tell the whole story. So here we go. And the water gets rise, and he gets up on the roof, gets up on the roof, and a guy comes on a boat. He comes up to, on a boat to the, to the house, and he says, hey, man, you need to get on this boat. And he says, I've been praying. I've been praying. The Lord's going to deliver me. He's going to deliver me. That boat moves on, and finally, finally, a helicopter comes by, drops, drops the, the net there, drops the rope, the, the ladder there, the rope ladder. He said, man, you got to get up here. That water's not going to subside for a, a week or so. 
The man says, no, no, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. Well, that guy eventually drowns. He meets God and says, God, I prayed, prayed you'd deliver me. God said, I sent a four-wheeler, I, I sent a boat, and I sent a helicopter. Which more, what more do you want? Hello? You see, God is, if you have the ability to do certain things, then you're responsible. I'm responsible. If you don't, hallelujah, we have the Father. He takes care of us. If any of you parents have ever had handicapped children, you know the extra mile you go to take care of those children. You take care of them. They get, they get extra attention. Oh, that's what God does for us. As we get older, we start losing our ability to do things the way we... God says, I got you. I got you. I better wrap it up. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for the word of God. Fellows, let's go ahead and have an invitation song. <coughs> Lord, we're thankful for the order that you uh, provide, the instructions to order that you give us from your word. We're thankful for the examples that you've given to us from Scripture and even in everyday life, Lord. I pray that you'd help your people this evening. With heads bowed, eyes closed, you do as the Lord leads. Maybe there's somebody here, just say, preacher, pray for me. The Lord spoke to my heart. And there are definitely some things, some decisions I need to make. And I just ask for prayer. Would you lift your hand? Anybody like that? All right, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, bless those that have raised their hands. Encourage them, strengthen them, give them the wisdom they need. May you bless their invitation now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.